Time for Das Boote. It's the hunt for Red October on Amigos, episode 361. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about the hunt for Red October. Oh, oh, scary. Aaron, did you ever consider a career in the submarine arts? God, no. I don't have a body type to get into a submarine. You know, I went to a submarine museum one time. It was the old uh, Civil War submarine boat. and mm, They made get, those extra small. You got that right. Like, I could, like, probably pick the sub up. And there's no way I'm <laughs> squeezing my hiney up in that sucker. Uh, so, no. Now, I, uh, I have great respect. For the steely-eyed killers of the deep that squeeze themselves into those subs. Of course, a modern nuclear sub is pretty huge. Uh, but still, I wouldn't want to get out of that sucker now, for months at a time. You know, size, size restrictions notwithstanding, what do you think about the prospect of being cooped up in an enclosed space for months and months at a time? Could you handle that part? Well, I mean, if we're talking in a sub, yes, I think I could. Uh, I'm used to living in, you know, you got to think up, I, I just lived in a real small house and I've, I, I can do it. I don't think it'd be fun, you know, but I, I can, I can also be a, a homebody. So I could probably do it. The thought of living with a bunch of people and working on a sub like that though, day in, day out, I like the military life is not for me. And so even on a sub, it seems like it'd be 10 times worse to me. It'd be some big time. You'd have to keep stringent discipline on a sub. Because things could go south in a hurry, wouldn't you think? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I'd be able to do it. Just the just the the idea that you can't. You're in this thing that essentially amounts to like a, you know a house, maybe a large house. But there's no going outside. There's no sea in the sun. You know, you're you're sort of confined to either your quarters or the deck or whatever wherever you're working, and it's just day after day for months at a time. There's no wonder that those guys are well compensated for their labors. Plus, you have the constant threat of, you know, death charges and being blown up and dying a horrible, agonizing death by drowning. So there's always that, too. I mean, luckily, there hasn't been a lot of so, uh, uh, submarine combat here recently. So you could probably mm -hmm. just be, I mean, really, what are we doing? You know, we're floating these things around the Earth. They got nukes in them. They're like basically portable nuke sites. But I mean, otherwise, it's like, are, what are the subs really down there? We're just—it's just like this, you know. How we always have the planes in the air all the time. That shtick. Mm -hmm. How much mm -hmm. gas does that cost us? You know what I mean? There's got to be a better yeah. way, boat. There's got to be. There's got to be. Maybe this game, Aaron, will show us the better way. Yeah, I agree. No, but you know, uh, before we dive into the game, oh. ha, um, we need to wish a very happy birthday to uh, our Discord community member, Explorer. You know, in a game where you're doing a lot of exploration of the ocean depths, this is a good day to have a birthday. So, happy birthday, Explorer. Well done, Big X. Do we know how old the X-Man is? Don't know. Don't know. Let's say Fitty. Let's go with Fitty. That's a good age to be yeah. an Explorer. All right, Aaron. Let's talk about this week's Amiga News. Amiga News. Now, Aaron, our first story this week is about the Amega 32. This is a Mega Drive gamepad to Amiga CD32 adapter. Oh, now, okay. 
we at first I was like, well, this is nothing new. We've seen these before. You've got a gimmick that does this sort of a thing, and just kind of you can plug your gen. Well, you, everybody knows that you can plug your Genesis controller into your Amiga, you know, full stop with no problem. That's what but, I always did. Yeah. Uh oh. Um. There you go. You're back. Okay. Sorry. I should probably stop playing around with the mic cord. Yeah. Am I good now? Yeah, you're good now. What do you want to do? Keep you want to start the six segment let's, older? No, let's just keep rolling. Okay. It was like two seconds. All right, go ahead. So, um, this is uh, what this does is you can see from the graphic that you put up there. Holy smokes! Is, um, this remaps a six button Sega Genesis controller to the CD32, so you have all of the buttons because you know the the CD32 is a six seven ish button controller, and that's yeah. what you've got with the Genesis pad, it's a pretty slim unit. It just kind of sticks out the back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like a, a uh, VGA to DVI adapter, one of those gimmicks. Yeah. And this thing is is not that expensive. You can get this right now for 29.95 euro. And as we all know, the euro and the dollar are in parity, at least in the short term. So 30 bucks gets you this thing out the door. Does this tempt you at all, Aaron? Well, you know, it's a... Uh, uh... It's not a bad gimmick. I actually saw plans to sort of do this sort of thing a while back, but I'm not going to do it. That takes too long. However, mm. listen, I like the old six-button uh, Genesis pad. It's not for everyone, but I like it. Uh, so, yeah, this would be a nice alternative. Get those extra... The funny thing is, like I've got uh, uh, somewhere in this stack of stuff, I've got a, a, a game pad uh, for the CD32. You got all those buttons... You can probably count on one hand the number of games that you require that many buttons. Uh, in fact, probably none, if I'm honest. I, there might be a couple. Uh, so really, despite the fact you're going to add all this functionality, I don't know what you're going to play with it, because uh, there, there's not a ton of games that support it. I mean, if you took every CD32 game there was and said they all supported it, you'd still only be talking about probably, what, 4% of overall Amiga games so, the question is, what is what is the price of a CD32 controller these days? Oh, it's it's huge. It's big time, right. big money. Yeah. And so, you know, if you scroll down a little bit further on this page, they're actually selling a Mega Drive controller that you can buy on this page for fifteen bucks. Yeah. So for fifty dollars total, you have yourself a CD32 controller, and I'm pretty sure if you buy a stock CD32 controller these days, you're going to pay more than fifty dollars. Oh, I'll I'll give you that. If you if you need a, a replacement controller for your CD32, sure. Hey, listen, I'm not saying it's a bad deal. I'm just saying those controllers, uh, they, they, they function at, functionally, well, they don't, their buttons don't get used that much is all I'm saying. Yeah, only if you're playing CDs. That's really the, uh, you, know, you got to skip your track. And I, I would not do that on your CD32. <laughs> Although it's got a really cool display when you're playing them, but yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, listen, that's a good, that's a good bargain. I agree with you on that. And our next story, and this is not a brand new story, but this is a site that I came across that I'd never seen before. This is a site called AmigaRemix.com. Okay? Right. And this is a, it's an archive of uh, people's remixes of uh, a famous Amiga tunes. Oh. You know? And so I believe that you can connect this thing uh, up to a, an, an Amiga, you know, connected to the internet, and you can fit, you can actually, you know, run stuff straight from here. Of course, if you're just on a normal computer, you can click on any of these and any of these tunes and download them. Uh, but uh, this is just, you know, sometimes you want to listen to a tune you know, but you want it in a slightly different way, and yeah. so that's that's the great thing about the the remix scene. And uh, they've got a rating system. 
And uh, again, it's easy to find at AmigaRemix.com. Have you heard of this one, Aaron? No, I don't think I've seen this one, Boat. And if, if I mean, if we ever covered it, I don't remember it. This is dandy. Uh, I like the idea that, that they've listed these out. This probably took someone a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, and it's it's still being updated here. Uh, you know, since the latest news, seven eleven twenty two. So, yeah, that's great, man. That's a good. Fi- Did you find this one? Well, what happened was I was I was trolling through the AmigaNews.de site. Yeah, and they normally give you you know not only the news but whenever anything gets updated. And I saw that Amiga Remix had been updated, and I was like, oh, man, what's Amiga Remix? And so that's that's how I came across it. Yeah, excellent find, Boatster. I will definitely be giving that one another look, because I, I like to say I listen to a few tunes now and again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron, it's a little bit light on the old news this week. Yeah. We only have one more story. Uh, it's the dog days of summer. But guess who don't care? It's B. Sizzilli, who has created this uh, this port of uh, R-Cross, which was a, this was a, uh, originally developed for the PC, and it was in one of these game jams, Aaron, these game jams are are going on all the time, Uh, and the Amiga version, Aaron, I've got to say, looks pretty good. Uh, This is a behind-the-back racer, not unlike, did you ever play the Super Nintendo version of Off-Road called Baja, it's called Baja Extreme or something like that? Don't think so. This looks almost like it's using like voxel graphics, like from the old uh, from the old uh, uh, days uh, on the mm-hmm. PC. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I obviously am an idiot, but the, the, it's where it's got that sort of super duper digitized. Oh yeah, like oh, yeah. ground, it's very flat shaded polygons with a uh, low res digitized uh, ground. Yeah. The thing that I like about this is that they don't try and pretend like it's a real car. It's a it's a remote control car. You yeah. know, that's how you and, do it. Uh, yeah, and so you you get away with a little bit of lower fidelity, maybe in in some ways with this. Uh, but you can play this. You need a pretty pretty mega Amiga. You need an 040 or an oh, 060. Oh man. 8 meg fast RAM AGA chipset or the old RTG. You know, I w- so, it's, it's a shame that the that you need such a beefy machine because I was thinking to myself, this is uh, is quite a little game. I was just looking at it. Uh, I mean, it's nice if you. The good thing is these days, even if you don't have like a a super duper hot dog of of uh, Amiga, you can always emulate and play mm-hmm, this stuff. Right. But and this actually looks uh pretty uh, like a pretty decent little gimmick here. And I was thinking to myself, if this ran on standard hardware, man, you've got it. You've got something with this engine that they're using, but uh, still, kind of neat. It looks good. It's nice that somebody ported it over. Yeah, yeah. So big ups to BS Zilly, and uh, of course, thank you to uh, Neil at Indie Retro News for reporting on this story. Yeah, for us. and I, I apologize for the shortness of the news because I've been out of action this week, so Boat's been running, doing all the news action. I think you picked out some winners though, Boat, especially the remix site. That's pretty solid, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you. Now, Aaron, I'll tell you what else is pretty solid, and that's Retro Rewind. Why don't we give them a little little action here? Absolutely. You know, uh, I uh, I was just looking. I was telling Bo to update our little uh, screen here so we could see what they've got, they've been up to here. And I always like to look at stuff like the best sellers. It's funny how often I see that transit card up in the top two or three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's only a buck. It's only a buck. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to see that the the uh, right in the top four uh, best sellers on Frank's site is Amiga OS three two. Uh, now know, that does surprise me. I would not, you know, I'm a, I'm as much of a you know OS guy as the next guy, but I wouldn't think that of all the all of the awesome stuff on Frank's site, 
that Amiga OS 3.2 was up there. But, you know, I, I think we might have talked about this before, Aaron, but this might be the only stateside location that you can get Amiga OS. Do you remember that being the case? I'm, I can't say that with any 100% certainty, but why would you get it anywhere else where you can get it from Frank? Frank That's ships true. fast. His uh, shipping cost is fair, and he know you know you're going to get something that's going to work when you get it back to the pad. You don't want to get ROMs and whatnot that uh, some Mickey Mouse outfit put together for you. Uh, this is the guy that can take care of it for you. You know, uh, I'm looking at this. You know, I haven't upgraded any of my OSs for a long time on any of my stuff. And, uh, you know, 3.2's got a good rep. And would you ever think mm -hmm. about doing any... Uh, up, I'm trying to think what you've got over there that you could update, because you don't have a 1200 over there. You've got the 600, though. You can always put ROMs in those. Right, right. I could put I could put the uh, the the new ROM in that. Frank, uh, speaking of Frank, he reflowed my Paula chip, which was uh, which was giving me all no end of trouble on that Amiga six hundred, and so I, I appreciate that. And uh, probably my next thing for the six hundred is to get the uh, the uh, the compact flash card solution running again. Give me some tiny launcher action on that bad boy. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed the top rounding out the top four stuff here on uh, RetroRewind.ca. And listen, you can't go wrong with the uh, C64 uh, diagnostic harness. That's good. That's that's the stuff right there, man. You got those things are helpful. Uh, and then you rounding it out, you've got the Amiga coin cell battery adapter. Now listen, uh, uh, these things uh, are perfect to get to get that, that to get that battery off your board. You don't want that. Those things go up in a hurry, and this will do the job nicely. Cheap too. And of course, if you're looking for the heavy duty stuff, uh, hey. A630, brother. You could do that too on your 600 boat. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a good. It's a good price. I don't know, Frank. Frank, uh, those things leave stock almost instantly when he gets them. So uh, you, if you're good, if you're in the market for an accelerator for your Amiga 600, now's the time. To yeah, grab, grab one before they go. Yeah, uh, we love uh, Frank. We love Richard Rewind uh, because the. They do the job and do it right. And aside from the fact that, yes, you can go to their website and find all kinds of stuff to order, but they'll also take care of your services, won't they, Boat? That's right. That's right. So if you have a computer that's broken, you can just send it wholesale to Frank, the whole thing. He'll open it up. He'll tell you what's wrong with it. And then he'll quote you a very, very reasonable price to get it fixed and ship it back to you. So you can use this thing because, you know, having a closet with a computer in it is cool. But having a computer on a desk that works is even more cool. You know, these things, in a way, they are museum pieces, but they're meant to be used. You know, these old computers, they're meant to be used. And so, you know, you really don't have an excuse with having somebody as competent as Frank, as reasonable as Frank, for having an old computer hanging around. Send it to him, let him fix it, and then get it back and enjoy it. You know, before we leave this topic, I want to touch on this. I am the worst at recapping stuff. It's not because I can't do it. I just don't want to because I'm lazy, okay? There are certain machines out there that need immediate attention if you haven't got, given it to them. Uh, you Particularly uh, something like your high-end Amigas. Hey, your Coco 3s. Those things aren't growing on trees anymore, Bo. You can't get that many like you used to. Yeah, uh, man. And Frank's the perfect guy to do the job. You can be darn sure that... Uh, after what Frank did for me in my Vectrix. By the way, you think I'd let anybody work on my Vectrix boat? Are you kidding me? No. You don't even let yourself work on the Vectrix. I'm afraid to touch the darn thing. Well, now I can enjoy <laughs> it because Frank took care of it for me. We're not just saying this because Frank's a uh, sponsor. We know that Frank does a good job because he's done it for us. 
<laughs> that's Bernard. Yeah, Shepard. that's right. And of course, whenever you load up your cart with goodies on Retro Rewind, use that promo code Amigos10 at checkout. Save yourself 10% off Rank's already low, low prices. Right on, brother. All right, Aaron, are you ready to um, to do whatever the hunt for Red October does? I'm ready to get killed a lot, Boat. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So, bam, the game of the week this week. And I have to say, this one I wasn't familiar with, uh, Boat. Uh, I don't know about if you ever played it, but it's a game. Never. Called the Hunt from Red, for Red October. This is a uh, game that's based uh, on the film uh, that uh, was licensed by Grand Slam uh, to release on the Amiga and a few other machines. Just to get the particulars, this came out in '90 on a disc. Uh, I found that the Amiga asking price for this was twenty twenty four ninety nine pounds. Boat uh, developed by an outfit called Audio Visual Magic. Cool name. Uh, mm -hmm. published by Grand Slam, as I mentioned. Uh, I looked over the staff that worked on this. Uh, the coder was a fellow named Mark Barker. He did Cool World. I can't remember. Do we ever cover Cool World, but it's been so long. I don't remember if we no, covered that No, we've never done that one. I remember the movie. Uh, he also did a, a game called Netherworld. Uh, this had three different people do the graphics. Uh, Adam, uh, Andrew Pang, Chris Warren, and Steve Betzer. Amongst the three of them, I looked over what they'd done. Pang worked on Nick Fado's golf uh, boat, which we both like. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris Warren worked on Elf. And oh. Steve Betzer worked on Chips Challenge and Dare, uh, Dan Dare 3. And the, okay. music, the music on this one, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this person, uh, Jolion Vincent Myers, uh, who worked on uh, Hard Drive and 2, uh, MiG-29, RBR Baseball 2, uh, a few things we've we've looked at. Final Fight. So there you go. <laughs> you can't win them all. Uh, so <laughs> that's your staff. This was an ECS OCS game. Uh, and this did get conversions to the uh, Amstrad, the ST, uh, the C64, and of course the ZX, the usual suspects. There's also a, a DOS port of this, which apparently this was based, somehow based on the uh, that version uh, the uh, uh, or uh, you know, I wasn't 100% sure what it was based on because it also could be in the ST version. I'm not 100% sure, and it wasn't spelled out anywhere. Uh, mm -hmm. There's also a myriad of other games that are called The Hunt for October, uh, even on the Amiga and on other machines that aren't related to this one. I think Boat's gonna uh, get into one here in a little while. Um, I'm assuming Boat, you've not played this one before, uh, and I had not either. We had, I don't know if we've ever touched on Grand Slam Interactive. I looked into. The I want to say that we've done a couple games by them. <laughs> you may be right, but I couldn't remember anything. I looked over what they'd done. Uh, a few of their games. <coughs> Excuse me. We did Chambers. I know we looked at Chambers the Shaolin. That's one that they published. Uh, they published uh, Flintstones at Pac Mania. We did look at that one. A few others. It's interesting though. Uh, they were. Uh, they weren't around forever. Uh, they but they started in '87 and they were basically built out of another a house that died, a house called Argus Press Software. Uh, eventually they were around till about '90, and then I love this bit that was included in their description. Uh, receivers were called in by the firm's bank, Barclays, in 1990 after amassing a large debt, and bankruptcy looked imminent. But foreclosure was averted somehow, and they lived on to publish another day. And they actually kept going a little bit after that. They went to the early 90s uh, with some stuff. But uh, as far as I can tell, they are defunct. 
Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking we'd, we'd done some um, ZX Spectrum games by them, but I just looked it up, and we have not, because they only did three ZX Spectrum yeah, games, and yeah, none I, of those we've covered. So. I, it's funny. They've got a name you'd think you'd remember, and I, I didn't mm-hmm. remember it. Um, before we get to the game proper, Boat, I thought we should just talk a little bit about the actual the film or the book. Um, this is based on the 1990 film uh, that was directed by John McTiernan. And was also was based on a 1984 uh, Tom Clancy book of the same name. You're a, an avid reader, Boat. Have you done any of the Clancy? I've never done. You know, the, those books are so popular. Whenever you go to the old used book sale at the library, they have a billion copies of everything he's ever written. I should probably try them out, but uh, I never have read any Tom Clancy novels. I uh, uh, I stick I'm, to the good stuff. Dan Brown. I know. I know the Clancy stuff. I remember a buddy of mine was reading uh, one of his books one time, and I looked through it, and man, this was some high tech stuff. I mean, there's some like uh, uh, this guy's like the. Uh, uh, the he 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 writes in a in a very technical way. I guess what I'm saying. I'm like when he's describing stuff, he knows what he's talking about. I guess he's a real avid military guy. I don't know. I think the re the research that he does is impeccable. You know, yeah. when it, for technical terms and in, in uh, military operations, I do recall reading that about. Well, him. he's the Tolkien of military jargon. Like he'll just mm-hmm. keep going. Uh, and so, but I mean, I I know uh from him mostly from his games and his movies. Uh, I, I did see this in the theater, believe it or not, back in the day, and I do remember liking it. But I don't remember a whole lot about it. I also saw some of Clancy's other films, uh, and this uh, particular book introduces a, a guy named Jack Ryan that was like the big guy. You know, I guess he went on to be in a lot of his. Uh, yeah, and he's. Uh, they made a whole Amazon series starring the guy from The Office about Jack Ryan. Oh yeah, um, That's yeah. Name. Eep loves it. It's very oh, yeah. violent. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, this movie was a big success, uh, Boat, when it came out, uh, when it debuted in March of 1990. I feel like the retroist here. Uh, when it debuted in March, it grossed $17 million uh, on its opening weekend, and uh, it went on to gross $122 million in North America and a worldwide total of $200 million, which that's back when that was a lot of money uh, for your film. So it, it did real well. And so... It made no. Uh, it made perfect sense for them to start cranking out the the game age. Now, there's a couple games, and I purposely didn't look at the other games because I thought maybe we might cover them one of these days. But it looked like the other game I saw on the Amiga it looked a lot more like technical. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like this is the game that's not technical by any stretch. Right. Of well, I think the the other one is a full on submarine simulation, <laughs> maybe something like Silent Service or right, something like right, that. Right. Right. So. right. So let's get into this one, boat. Uh, so, let's talk about the opening real quick, because that's a kind of a big deal when it comes to Amiga games, the cool opening. This opens up with a cool scene, sub floating around, it kind of zooms in on some Russian writing on the side of the sub, and then it tells you the name of the, of the game, has a little uh, musical interlude there, and then it had sort of a demo scene looking scroll that comes up. What did you think about this? Uh, did it get you fired up to play sub game? Yeah, I thought it was good. You know, there's nothing. It lets you know right away that you're dealing with the Russians because it puts up the the the, Syri- the Cyrillic uh, text, and then it you know morphs into the English, so you know what it says. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I thought the opening of this game was all right. Yeah, and you got your picture of uh, Sean Connery in between the mm-hmm. Russian and American flags. He plays the uh, captain of the Russian ship and the Russian sub in this. So I believe that the, the the plot of this is that Sean Connery is the captain of the the Russian submarine. 
he has told the CIA that he wants to defect, uh, but they don't know, the CIA doesn't know if he's serious or if he's a double agent. Yeah, it's a, it's a dangerous game of cat and mouse where you can't trust nobody, right? Mm-hmm. Et cetera and so forth. Uh, so the game, none of that matters in the game. Uh, so <laughs> in the game, you you're, well, you actually play as a couple different people, but you start off playing as Jack Ryan. The best way this game can be described is a collection uh, th- this is the, this is stretching the term to the, its thinnest name, but this is a collection of mini games, uh, and, and the miniest of games, I guess. The yeah, thing- and, and and you know to say that it has nothing to do with the story, the the the, the games are actually, if you look at the docs, they actually follow the story. Well, so, for I, example, yeah, I know. You know you're we're looking, right. at, we're looking at level one right now, where you uh, you are flying over. Uh, it's it's a it's a very strange opening because it sort of blurs the line between cutscene and actual gameplay yeah, yeah, in such does. a way that it was several attempts before I realized I was actually supposed to be controlling what was going on on the screen. Yeah, uh, you you see a military aircraft pull up, and uh, Jack Ryan jumps out of it. And you've got to, uh, you've got to, it kind of reminds me of the skydiving game in Pilot Wings, if yeah, you're familiar I with that. I knew you were going to say that. It's, it's an excellent effect they, they get. Yeah, where you, you, you're you you're dropping down towards the submarine and you kind of have to guide him so he lands on the submarine. Uh, there is, uh, it, uh, the, according to the docs, Jack hates flying. Gale force winds and low fuel bring increased danger. Yeah. Uh, one false move and Jack is dead and the mission is aborted. Um, as far as I know, that's not the case, though, not because here. I think uh, in, in this particular mission, it's impossible to fail. What happens, though, is that if you don't land properly on the submarine, you start with your energy almost depleted. Basically, you get one fewer life on the next yeah. level. Yeah, I, I, I thought I was like you. I, I thought this was part of the cutscene at first. That so then it, when it said you're dumb and the next time I played it, mm-hmm. I was like, OK, I got it. I still was not good at that scene. The, the uh, second part of this, this is the part where I say this doesn't have much to do with the movie. I mean, I'll give you that part, but this you got to give me this. As your sub uh, is in a, I guess the this reminds me sort of like Sea Wolf or mm-hmm. possibly like underwater scramble. But basically, mm-hmm. this turns into a side scroll, a force scroll shooter as you take control of the sub. And I mean, I will say there's more action in one second of this than there was the entire film, <laughs> because the, these are enemy infested waters to the nines. Basically, uh, you are going through a level, avoiding the bottoms of icebergs, while you're also avoiding uh, the mountainous parts of the underwater floor, and you're trying to get through this uh, to the open water, all the while picking up various uh, power ups as you go. Uh, your sub is good sized. Let's just say that. And I found navigating this particular level nigh impossible. In fact, I thought this whole, I mean, maybe it's just me. I thought this level was harder than the second go around that comes up in a few other levels. Uh, I found this a particularly difficult level. And if it wasn't for the fact that I had infinite men after about the third or fourth try, I said, okay, turn on the cheat. I would never have gotten past this. What were you, what were your thoughts on this one, Boat? Well, this is the level that I spent the most time on. I did not <laughs> cheat because I was not I was not aware of the cheats. Yeah. And so uh, what I did was I spent probably a good couple hours learning how to beat this level. And this is your classic, your classic, there's only one way to do it type thing. 
the the uh, the, the power ups in this level are essential. Uh, what you're picking up are uh, they Excuse look me. sort of like uh, chests with uh, with letters on them. Uh, the one that says E gives you extra energy. Uh, the one that says D gives you an extra life. Uh, there's a smart bomb. You can uh, get your super. Tor- you can level up your torpedoes. You can become uh, temporarily invincible. Yeah. And if you miss just one of these power ups in the wrong place, there is no physical way that you can get by it without taking damage. And so what you have to do is you have to memorize the, your route that you're going to take. And this is not a short level either. No, it's this not. level probably takes you about five minutes just to get through. It's definitely the longest part of the game. It's the longest stage. Um. Things that are great about this, uh, your sub is large and detailed. Uh, things that are not great about this is that your sub is large. Yeah. Um, you, uh, like you said, the, the, the waters are completely enemy infested. Uh, the glaciers are massive and you also have some stalagmites coming out of the bottom. Of this, so you have these very narrow uh, pathways that you have to navigate. The enemies are completely stupid in this game. Yeah. They kind of float about like a, like a bobber. You know, and they just sort of they just sort of meander about. Sometimes they'll they'll kill themselves. They'll just immediately crash into the the rocks before you even get a chance to defeat them. Uh, you'll have there there with the way that your sub is. Uh, enemies are allowed to get behind you. Sometimes rockets can get behind you, and when when that happens, you're completely defenseless. Yeah, because your your sub can't fire from the back. Um, the the laziness. I don't want to say laziness. We'll call it a time crunch. The time crunch was in full effect on this level because when you're hit by a rocket or when you're hit by an enemy, your sub does not actually take any physical. You don't. You see an explosion that kind of is pasted onto your ship. Yeah. But it doesn't. It looks cheap and it looks bad. Let's. Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, but I thought you were. Dead. When you die, your ship does not explode. It just sort of those explosions happen for a little bit, and then you're, you you automatically respawn. Yeah. Um, Even your deaths in a four scroll boat. Yeah, yeah. When and uh, when you, this is a no continues game, so getting those extra lives are essential. It was all I could do to get through this uh, before I got to the next uh, the next stage. I believe I had one life left, or maybe you only get one chance. I don't know, but I did not succeed in the next level. Now, Aaron, before we move on to the next level, did you have any other closing remarks on this uh, this oh, four scrolling level? Oh yeah, I do. I've got I thought one. you might. And here's my number one closing remark. This this level suffers from what I like to call the dream catcher rule. And it's where they take and divide up the game and half the screen is the game and then half the screen, or in this case, a third of the screen is the all the crap they put at the bottom, right? This section could have desperately used that extra room because it's so claustrophobic that it makes it not fun. You've got, for God's sakes, you've got the Amiga here. We can handle, this isn't the Spectrum. We can handle full screen or I mean, you could have condu- can, uh, you could have condensed all the information at the bottom of the screen into like a, a a very small chunk of real estate, and I think that was a huge mistake. I, and that's I, the claustrophobe the the claustrophobic feeling of guiding this up through here is dumb. Now, I mean, saying that this level has anything to do with the film in the first place, I mean, they, that's face facts. They just took this and stuck it in here, but this could have been fun. Like, I don't hate it. Uh, I mean, they did a good job. And I mean, it's, it, part of me kind of liked it, but it was just this too is, small. This is the level 
that you would have thought they wouldn't have screwed up. Because how hard is it, you know, when you talk about level design and yeah. games, yeah. making a horizontally scrolling shooter is not the hardest type of game to make. No. And there's so many there's so many games out there that you could just copy, note from note. And they chose to go a different route and just make it, I mean, it's almost like they put in sort of the tight corridors of blood money, you know, that are so frustrating. And, 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 and it just... This is the, worse, the, way worse. The blood yeah. money is not nearly as jerky on the on the lower half. I mean, this and is I, lazy. I, it's lazy. I, I really feel like if they would have made the enemies have some discernible intelligence <laughs> and made your sub twice as small or just gotten rid of the HUD and given you yeah. a bigger area to work with, this could have been really fun. I kind of like the sub. I just would have made it. Yeah. Give, give that thing more room to move. Did you, I'm assuming yeah. did you ever use the space bar to switch back and forth? Don't you? I mean, don't you didn't mention that's why I ask. You can what, no. What do you switch back do, and forth? Do you with? see that? Do you see on the lower right hand side of the screen there? You've got the two squares. You can. I switch, wondered about that. You can what does switch that do? between weapons uh, with the space bar there. Uh, oh. And so I mean, I, of course you. It's the It's the old annoyance where you've got to basically move your hand over to the space bar but yeah it's, it's and there. you are this is not the kind of game where you have the you have a chance to take your hands off the joystick well also the funny thing is when you switch weapons that when you get another power up it basically goes back so it's it's almost pointless to even do it mm -hmm. uh but also i should mention that here we are this is the amiga this is 1990 there's no excuses when i say there was no in-game special effects it was just music you know, yeah. and I don't know. Did you see an option to turn off music and just have special nope. effects? I didn't see one. Nope. The That's, music is all right, though. It's I don't all want to right, bury but the I mean, music. there was the music's fine. I think the original piece was written by uh, Rimble, uh, but uh, I mean, he didn't do the music on the Amiga version. I think he did the uh, the C64 version. But it, the point of it is, the music's fine. But I want sound effects. Yeah. What are we doing yeah. here, boat? I'm going to be you for once. I'm going to be the boat on this one. So. Once you stagger your way through that painful level, then it's time for something even stupider. The landing of the thing on the other thing. <laughs> this is where you pilot the mini-sub onto the actual Russian sub, all right? Now, there are two... This is split into two parts. The piloting of the sub, where you move the sub back and forth and you hit the fire button to go backwards... I'm telling you, I spent uh, forever trying to get past this, and it's all you have to do is just put your sub right in the middle of the other sub. But the the way the water, there's an arrow at the top part of this that kind of tells you which way the water's flowing, and so it keeps knocking you off course. And whenever you don't land right, can you imagine this in a film? Here comes your main guy. He's fought <laughs> his way here, and then he dies trying to dock with the main sub. What a movie that would be! You, you know what this what this part reminded me of is when you play a darts game uh -huh. and to increase the challenge they kind of make your hand kind of wave around at random. Well, yeah, that's sort of the way that this works. But it gets dumb. I thought to myself, man, this is dumb. It can't get yeah. any dumber than this. And we're watching the playthrough where this guy succeeds right away. Good luck, because then you've got the second, even stupider mini game, the opening the porthole game. <laughs> this is where you have to grab your joystick and do give it the old the track and field. To open this thing, stupid. That whole dumb. section is yeah. dumb. All right, so you've navigated the first uh, few sections here. Now you think to yourself, well, what what's the next cool mini game? Because they're so good. Well, you're back to the old scroll. Mm -hmm. Another round of the scroll. I couldn't tell any difference from the first one because I had an easier time of it, and you didn't get this far. Mm -hmm. So there's not much left to say here. 
I should say that uh, that this level has a lot of uh, weapons on it. You've got the uh, depth charges. You've got the mines. You've got the heat-seeking missiles. Regular. I mean, they put some work in. It's just that they dropped the ball on the overall size of the level uh, and the fact that it, it's too hard. And it's just it's it's dumb. All right, let's just. I mean, it's this is not. There's no part of the movie where this happens where it's anything like this. But even if you're going to make this a level in your game. Just make it more fun. So once you get here, once you get past this, if you miracle get past it, you go to the final stage of this game where you're where you're the cook on the Red October is preparing to launch missiles, and you've got to stop him. Spoiler and, alert! <laughs> what's that boat? Spoiler alert! Oh yeah, sorry. Oh, I mean, good lord, this game came out in ninety. I think they figured <laughs> it out by now. So this level has you stand in the middle of a long room full of, like, torpedo tubes in a nuclear sub and shoot at the cook, okay? Simple stuff. You've got a crosshair that moves around, and as you move it over the cook and shoot, you hit him. Now, one thing I did I did read about in the documentation is right. that in this particular section, you are able to use your mouse for further pinpoint accuracy. Which is funny. I didn't even know that. I used the joystick for non-pinpoint accuracy, because if you don't have pinpoint accuracy... <laughs> And you keep start shooting these nuclear warheads, you blow up the whole sub, yeah, and, and you'll die. No you get the you get the dumb guy ending. But if you shoot the if you kill the cook, you get the incredible ending for this game. With poor grammar. Yeah, well, it's well rushing. done. You managed to shoot the cook, comma, and save the Red October, not capitalized. And then finally, here this is the big spoiler. You get to see uh, the heroes of the film. Uh, in silhouette, I guess, here, looking off mm -hmm. into the starry sky, presumably hand in hand, as they look off. They've killed the cook boat. <laughs> they, the most heroic they went thing where, you they, can do. They, they went where all young lovers go, Searsport, Maine. Is that what? <laughs> you ever been up the Maine boat? Never. Never. Never been there. I've been up there. You know, it is nice. It's nice up there. But, yeah, it, it, it's, not beach, it's not beach weather, that's for sure. Mm. That's the game, y'all. <laughs> that's the... There's your game. Then you put your name in, and that's the done deal. Boat? Thoughts? Well, you know, on the one hand, I like the idea of uh, a relatively short game that's comprised of many games. That's 25 um, bucks. Yeah, that's I love, 25 nothing bucks. Nothing makes me happier than a $25 game that's short. That's the Well, best. here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you make the mini games short but beatable... And you give the player an incentive to try and beat the score. You, if you turn it into a high score game, then you've got something there. Because, I mean, think about all the, the thousands of dollars that have been spent on Donkey Kong over the years. And it's a short, mini-game-like game. You know, This game has a bunch of different activities that you do. You're diving off a plane. You're landing on the sub. You're piloting the sub. You are docking the mini sub. Uh -huh. You're twisting the porthole. Uh -huh. So you're doing lots of things. The problem is, is that some of those things are dumb, like you said, like the twisting of the porthole. In what universe did they think that that was going to be a compelling mini game? You know, the thing is, boat the mini games in this, except for the side scroll portion, take like two seconds. And I think they wasted. Now you're not going to make the turn the porthole game that much fun. <laughs> but, you know, there's an awesome effect at the beginning where you're lowering your guy in. You mm -hmm. could have done something with that. You could have right. done anything with that. The part right. where you're driving the mini-sub in, I mean, that sucks. Okay? Right. That sucks. Okay? 
So anything you could have done is better than that, you know? This is like a, a Cinemaware game without the flair, and also where every minigame is the worst minigame on a Cinemaware game. It's like mm -hmm. all of them are the worst one. Right. You know, you've right. got to have more than this. I mean, we have never played a Cinemaware game that was over this quick. At least you get a little what, length what, out of those. What I, I have a feeling that this game was probably done under a time crunch because... I don't think that in the original pitch they would have had two side-scrolling submarine levels. That just doesn't make any sense. What I think is that they wanted to make that second submarine level a side-scrolling shooter where you're walking around the decks of the ship. That would make sense. Because after you pilot the submarine, you dock the mini-sub, you get into the submarine, you move, uh, you know, you you go to the, or you go, you're trying to locate the double agent, and then the final stage is that you've got to shoot the cook. I mean, that's every great game's final stage. Yeah, no so, kidding. Um, so, to me, I think the original plan was to have kind of like a Rolling Thunder-esque uh, side-scrolling shooter where they take you to that final screen, but they just didn't have the time, they didn't have the money, they didn't have something, and so they just put in another quick side-scrolling submarine level. Well, here's the, this is a missed opportunity game. I don't agree with you. I don't think they were playing that. I think they were like, hey, let's get some kind of crap out with a license on it quick. Let's go. It doesn't even matter. And the sad thing is, there's parts of this game that could have not sucked. But they, and unfortunately, they, they made them suck. The graphics actually look pretty good. So you drop the ball on good sound, good graphics, and some decent uh, uh, ideas in terms of gameplay, and you put together this El Dutterino, uh, in my opinion. Now, we mentioned this got released on some other uh, uh, machines. We uh, matched up the ZX Spectrum version of this. It's funny, a game like this, to me, the side-scrolling portion seems to be more at home on the Spectrum for some well, reason. Well, again, this is the same old Euro story where they're <laughs> like, we need to put out a game that is exactly the same on all the 8-bit and 16-bit platforms. What's the shortest way we can do this to make it easy to, make it easy to port? Well, you're and that's probably what they're right. Doing. And uh, by the way, you're going to notice on the Spectrum version, if you're listening uh in your car or whatever uh the uh the size of the lower hud is probably about half of what it is on the uh amiga version and guess what you've got more room to operate it's a mirror i can tell you i can tell you right now i'd rather be playing the zx spectrum version of this game i, well, I knew you'd say that though because you're a mark it, uh, by the way the it looks like you're going on a dark ride at the amusement park I love uh, it. I uh, love it. They color, got the, the black beautiful. light going. It does yeah. look real. It is. I mean, that's what the underwater would probably look more like. Right. You know, uh, but uh, uh, so I, I, I did not. I mean, even that scene looks good, too. OK, we're, we're turning the court on the ZX Spectrum version. This looks pretty good. <laughs> uh, but uh, they're both, I'd say, comparable. I didn't try them. Now, you you also want to talk about the was it the NES? Uh, yeah. So the NES, the NES got a port of this. And it is a totally different game. It's more of a free-roaming submarine-type experience where uh, you have this huge uh, level to navigate, uh, and you are trying to uh, and you're trying to locate things on a mini map. So you're driving your submarine around, and uh, you, you you're still sort of scrolling to the left, but you have a, a much larger vertical space to deal with. The game looks terrible. Uh, it doesn't play particularly well. It's just completely awful in a different way. <laughs> there you go. Mm. Uh, I did look up uh, some reviews on this boat before you're getting the Discord stuff ready. Uh, Lemon, the folks at Lemon give this a middle of the road 5.09, which I would call low by Lemon standards. Amiga Joker 
wasn't having it, Boat. As you know, they don't take any crap. Uh, they gave it a 56%. But not to be outdone, the people over at Zap, they reviewed this and the C64 version simultaneously. And they didn't like either one of them that much, but they liked the C64 version more than the Amiga version, which they gave an astounding 39% boat. What'd you mm. get from the Discord, brother? Alien Breeder writes, I have to admit, while I was familiar with the other Red Hunt for Red October game, I did not know this game existed. And I think I'm better off for it. This game is another that had some potential, but does not get the job done. Graphics are not great, and in some places, terrible, such as the giant HUD. This game suffers from its gameplay. As with many of these types of games, I did not get very far. The sub could move around pretty quickly and unnaturally, but its shape made it impossible for me not to hit the edges, and the collision, the collision detection seemed off. There were some items I would swear I hit that did nothing, and others that destroyed me when I, clear, then I clearly did not hit them. There were some spots that seemed impossible to navigate uh, through with a big, long sub, although I did see some people on YouTube do it. It's tough for me to grade this as it was so bad. I don't know if the game is bad or me. Overall, I give this 635 top bananas out of 1,000. Ouch. You don't want to go in that yeah. range. No good. No. Uh, Pajaco6502 writes, Fundamentally, this game isn't too bad. A basic side-scrolling shooter with a couple of mini-games. It's a game that could have worked, but for a couple of things. Your sub is way too big, and you'll easily clip the landscape whilst moving around. Enemy missiles don't explode when they hit. Instead, pass right through you. Anything that does damage does massive damage, and you'll burn through your lives pretty fast. If the damage could have been toned down a little, it might have been a slightly better game, but it's clearly built this way to hide a very short game. Sadly, another example of a rush-to-market movie license game and another less-than-stellar title in the Grand Slam catalog, 4 out of 10. That's it for this week, Aaron. Well, that, I think you got the number of reviews that it deserved, Boaster. Yeah. Um, oh, and I, I did discover that Grand Slam, we have done a title by them. They did the Amiga port of Pac-Mania. Yeah, that's, a, that's the one I recognize. That's the only one. Yeah. Uh, in closing, I did look this up on eBay, and if, if you were inclined, I will say the cover of this is like the movie poster. So if you're a mm -hmm. if you're a fan of the film, uh, you could do worse. Uh, I saw these all day in the UK for eighteen to fifty three US dollars. Really depending on what you want to pay. I saw different uh, different prices going, but it's pretty much they were looked like they were all complete in box. I would wager this one didn't get a lot of wear and tear either uh, when it was out in the arcade or out at home. So you could probably get one in real good shape. I yeah. thought this was this was, uh, this was probably one that was played a couple times and put back in the old box. Yeah, this was disappointing, but because I thought, you know, even if you look at the screen we're looking at now, which is the side scrolling screen, let's say you just got rid of the HUD and just took the bottom part of the screen and just dropped it to the bottom and did no extra work, right. that would still be better. That would it give, would be you a know, totally different game at that point. Yeah, but Absolutely. you could you could put some enemy subs there and make it more than just a bunch of dollars and just scream at you stupidly. You know, eh, mm -hmm. still a V. Like you said, cheap and dirty, but. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about what's been going on on our YouTube channels? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, uh, it's uh, I've been out of action myself this week, but thank God we've got uh, some good action from yourself, Boat. Uh, we did uh, release uh, one of our shows from uh, Boat Fest, and this was our Coco This is the show. final Boat Fest release. I luckily don't get hurt in this one, which is nice. <laughs> uh, but this is ourselves and our good buddy, uh, L. Curtis Boyle. So nice to have him get do a guest shot for us, Boat, as we look yeah. at Junior's Revenge 
on the uh, Coco. What do you remember about this one, Boat? Well, you know, Junior's Revenge is completely in a completely different school than Donkey King, even though they're both uh, homages to the uh, Nintendo arcade games. Uh, Donkey King has many fans. Some people uh, think it's the best port, the best 8-bit port of uh, Donkey Kong. Nobody thinks Junior's Revenge has anything on uh, on old Donkey Kong Junior. I, I think this is a pretty good. I don't like this game actually. I thought it was. I always thought it was a pretty decent uh, effort. This is a harder game to to uh, fool with than, than Donkey Kong, and I thought they did a pretty decent job. And we I are, disagree. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I'm also pretty good at Donkey Kong Junior, so maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, they also did a remix version of this that was for the Coco Three. Uh, that uh, um, we had uh, mixed results with. We're not sure who made it, how it was made. It's not a huge, what I would call a huge improvement, uh, but we do touch on it. So if you're interested in uh, what the Coco had in terms of a Donkey Kong Jr. clone, I think Junior's Revenge is a lot of fun. Even if you're not, this is a fun show uh, with uh, the crowd there and, of course, uh, our good buddy El Curtis Boy. We had a lot of fun uh, on that one. Um Excellent docket, but I'm going to let you talk about this, uh, my friend. This is uh, the ranking of Amiga platformers. You're at it again. Yeah, so this is uh, the latest installment where we talk about one of the Brent's favorite games, Alfred Chicken. Uh, I believe that we've, I know that we've covered this on Amigos, and I want to say that you guys have done it on ARG. Uh, maybe the Game Boy version or Brent's another a big, version. He's a big fan of this. I believe we did touch on this at some point. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I put it through its paces. We play it for about a half an hour, and then we get out the old spreadsheet, and we see how it stacks up against the other uh, pantheon of Amiga platformers out there. I will say that this one is one of the better ones. Uh, it does have its flaws, but uh, it wasn't totally horrible. So there you go. There you go. Uh, do you recall? Do you, I guess we don't want to spoil the grade, but I'm always no, interested. No. Your grading system, I think, is it's, you put a lot of thought into it, and uh, and then, but it's under boat rules. Boat that boat will do what he does. I've seen you, you nick a point here and there and add a point. You'll spice it up a little bit. It's the boat way. I'm not afraid to. That's, I've heard that. That's for I've heard that. Let's let's switch gears, boat, uh, and move over to the stream team channel. Here we had a couple of offerings this week. You know, I've been out of action, so I missed everything, including uh, our good buddy Jack Flack. And looking over what he got into, it makes me want to cry. I have to go back and watch this because, according to the uh, tagline here, uh, Flack got down some elevator action. Uh, and man, you know I love that uh, game boat, and I know you like it too. And we've played I that. Do. I think we played that on the ZX, as I recall. Looks mm -hmm. like he played the C64 version and then played it on the arcade version. Uh, and then one that's near and dear to my heart: some old-fashioned Map Mania. I own this board. And I own the game, if you know what I mean. I own this sucker. Like, I'm the King Dong of Map Mania. Uh, I can play this thing indefinitely. It's a, it's a shame, because Map Mania is a one-player game, right? <laughs> Map Mania is. Now, they did release a two-player, quote-unquote, version called Mania Challenge, uh, which will play two players. But it, unfortunately, Mania Challenge isn't as good. Uh, mm. they, they got rid of a bunch of the guys uh, that were in it. And they also changed the way the moves work. I don't know if they had to do that for two players, but what for whatever reason, it made the game crap was crap. Looks like Flack owned it too. And then Flack gets into some other stuff here. I'm looking down through the list here. I like it when he does this random stuff because you never know what you're gonna get. And I find all kinds of new games that I've not seen before. Uh, so please check out 
Uh, the Sprite Castle plays with Jack Flack. Looks like a lot of fun, a boat. Yeah, man. <laughs> Lastly, uh, let's talk about uh, the 48K stream. This is uh, a man opening up an Atari ST boat. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I'm currently in talks, Aaron, to uh, to uh, get my own Atari ST thanks to 48K Ram because he uh, he he has one too many. I think maybe this is the one that he has uh, his incoming one. And so, uh, you know, what they say, you can only have one Atari ST at a time. Really? So uh, I, I I made a special delivery from 48K Town maybe headed my way soon with an Atari ST in it. You know, 48K doesn't live that far away, Boat. You might need to take, make a pilgrimage. Uh, but uh, listen, I love these streams. And I actually was watching this uh, this stream uh, when it was out, and uh, it was it's always a lot of fun. Of course, one thing like uh, guess how much we know about opening up an ST? No, nothing. We never done it before, mm. and so uh, it's nice to see someone pop all these suckers open and get in there and fiddle around with it, so we can know what's going on. Much like forty eight K Rams uh, recapping of the Coco uh, from uh, last week. These are handy, and that's why we wanted to keep uh, streams like this because so, it's they're good instructional. And Forty Eight K has got that sort of uh, he's got that ability to sort of lead you down the road in a very calm way as he goes through and does this. So it's very nice. He's sort of the Bob Ross of computer tech. Uh, yeah. So I urge you to check him out over on the Amigo Stream Team channel. All one word. I should note that I will also be releasing a new Happy Coding Home Cooking. In the next day or two as well, should be coming out. That's Happy Coding, our good buddy that programs on the ZX Spectrum. Uh, he's got uh, shows that are going to get put up here. So we're going to keep the ball rolling here, Boat. We, uh, it's good to get the community uh, that are providing uh, some great video for us to stick up here. And uh, we're going to provide it to you. And oh, one more thing. The uncut version of last Saturday's wrestling, which we didn't talk about that, Boat. I guess we could talk about that real quick if you want to. Uh, <clears throat> me and Boat... Uh, spent last Saturday night at BGW Battleground Wrestling uh, right down the street here, for, right literally within a stone's throw of my house here. Uh, and alongside the hose, the uh, professor of wrestling, Tim Legg, we did we caught all the action. About a three-hour and 15-minute show boat uh, that we streamed, streamed live on our, our Twitch channel. We had a good time, didn't we? We did. We did. It was real fun. You made a personal heroic effort to make it since you were uh, under the weather majorly. That was a rough so, night, but, but it was fun. It, it went off it went off well, and I think it's our, our best show yet. Yeah, I sure. do too. And we'll uh, uh, we'll uh, get that up uh, toot sweet uh, for anyone that wants to watch it. And I will say the version that's going to be on the Amigo Stream Team channel is leagues better than what was on Twitch. It's a very crisp mm -hmm. HD, uh, if that's your cup of tea. Uh, that's all I got, Boatster. All right. Well, it's time to talk about last week's Patreon song challenge. Uh, I got an email from Flack. He said, I missed the end of the stream. I had to run to pick Susan up from the airport. I was running late, so I texted her and said, here comes your man. Love me some pixies. So that's right. Flack got it. He was first out of the gate. Here comes your man by the pixies. Also guessed correctly were Jigglebox, Eric Nelson, Mitsuyama, and Pac Billy. Well done, boys. That was a good. I like that. That was a, good to see the band back together, Boat. Yeah, yeah. We'll have more coming up soon. Um, now we do have a new patron. We want to give a special shout out, uh, Ingva Ida. So Ingva, welcome, and uh, we thank you for becoming a patron of the show. Cool name. And 
It's time, Aaron, for the Patreon Song Challenge. So, if you know this song, then you can send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com, and I will announce you as the winner next week. If you're in the chat, don't put it in the chat. Send me an email. Here we go. Ingva Ida Robot Doctor 82, Jack Billy, Rob McDavid, Howard Price, Jazz Dog, Daniel James Miller, R-Typer, Bumface, Pooh Hands, Chris Edwards, Petzl, Alarm, Albert Kemp. We like, we whack, what we like, Mr. Chip. Peter Price, Herman V. Wonder, Lee Chesum. Mark Richardson, Dave Turnram, OK, Ram, OK. David Terrace, Jude Carlos, Matthew Mobius. The Phantom Magnus said, yeah, hates. Alice Dufine, David Z. George Rosansky, The Amiga Show. Daniel Crabtree, Super Famine King. Crazy rumors. We didn't meet this guy, have a system. Sing, Franklin, Bob, Ballin, Olaf, Hope, and Breed, a dead lie. So, rap the cowboy boy. Then Williams, who cut sun on the base, Frodo in, so did Sazer take mage. Jurgen, Mr. Cola, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington's org love reflection. Simon, Les, Captain Crispy, Kilobytes and Caffeine, Gary Heather, Free Lunch, Kate Fox. David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobster Minator, 10 Minute Amiga Retrocast, Bernard Quinn, RMC, Tim Drew, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Letter, Rob O'Hara, Matthew Larimore, Andy Craig, Sean Zoe, Bobbitt, Roland Burke, Andrew Monks, Joe the Zombie, Leaf Kellon, Alan K. Bob, Picote Level John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Kirby Dead Boy, Figures ETZ, The Slow Norris, Stefan Sorgorn, Morton, Edvin Helen, Christopher Hassel, Chris Foles, Laurent Giroux, Graham Bebke, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Hutherker, Paul, Bossman, Harrington, Duncan Styles, Saves from the Crypt, Josh Nan, Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THC, Eric Nelson, Daniel Bigston, Darren Coles, Jason Wards, Pixels of Dawn, and Kjell Bjorn Barman. Oh, man. Man, when's that band coming back? Oh, <laughs> holy crap! But what? A... That was vintage boat right there. You know, boat. Before we move to the end of the show here, we probably should mention this because we've been derelict at our duties, uh, and that is we. I want to touch on uh, Amigathon boat, which we we didn't mention today. Uh, and your beautiful... well, we've still we're still a ways out from Amigathon, beautiful... so I can understand. Yeah, why your we... your beautiful song reminded me uh, of all the good charity you work you do to even the scales of your horrible singing. <laughs> uh, Amigathon's coming up in just a few short weeks, uh, Boatster. It's going to be Saturday, July thirtieth, uh, and we're going to start that thing. I believe we had it set up for nine a.m. Boat. Uh, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. It's going to be Eastern Standard Time. 12 hours. We're calling this uh, Amigathon old school, brother, because we're getting mm-hmm. back to what brought us to the dance. And when, and then the dance that beat us down, I might add, which is playing 12 <laughs> hours of Amiga games. Think about it. For, for 12 hours, we might just sit down and play 12 hours of Hope in October, continual, nonstop for charity. That That's would, the plan. That would be a nightmarish boat. And maybe we could top <laughs> it off with some It Came From The Desert. 
It should be a lot of fun. We're going to split it up into uh, four-hour chunks. We're going to start off at, in the lo luxurious boat abode. I'm looking forward to that boat because it's always nice over there at the uh, boat, the boathouse, if you will. Then we're going to transfer over to the uh, arcade, uh, and me and the Brent are going to knock out uh, a couple, uh, about four hours. And in the last four hours, I'm not 100% sure what's going to happen. We'll just have to see. Uh, it's possible it's going to be thousands and thousands of degrees uh, in the arcade. I looked at the weather, uh, long-term weather for that day. It's supposed to be 95, boat, so it should be good and, and brutal. Uh, for yeah, a yeah, you you might need to reschedule those four hours somewhere not in the arcade. Yeah, maybe me, maybe me and Brent will just have to come into the house here and do it. But uh, we'll do it. By God, it's gonna be twelve hours. Uh, boat, give them the uh, information if they would like to uh, support our, our fine charity. So you can go right now to Bitly slash Amigathon twenty twenty two. That's b i t dot l y. And uh, you can donate right now. Uh, we've already raised over $700 for the cause. The cause That's being great. Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Uh, and our, our own Frank from Retro Rewind has pledged to match the first $1,000 of donations. So as soon as we hit that $1,000 mark, 1000 more will be coming in right then. Isn't that nice, Boat? And, and do you recall uh, with your big head there, what is, what's our uh, overall total? Uh, from all the years, you told me that day, and I couldn't believe it. I, could you go over it again? We have now surpassed twenty thousand dollars in donations <laughs> since twenty eighteen. I think that's dandy, uh, and I, and uh, we appreciate everyone who who uh, made that figure possible. Hey, it's for the children, man. You know, and so yeah. we appreciate you. And if you join us uh, again Saturday, July thirtieth, nine a.m., uh, it will be fun. It's going to be a lighthearted, fun day to raise a few bucks for charity. Have a good time, Boat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got it, man. All right, Aaron, it's time to thank the fine, fine folks that subscribe to us on Twitch. You know, Aaron, we record this show every Friday around 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming and, uh, and watch us take part in the chat and, uh, and just chill. Just chill. It's a good, fun evening. So we want to thank uh, our subscribers, R-Typer, Pixel Rages, Paul Kitching, Explorer, Venga Torixico, Gary Heather, Texas Foosballer, Pajaco6502, Still Adolescent, Grizzla, L, Curtis Boyle, Ferocity, Daw Crabs, MPG, Blue Train, Wishbone, Monza Mess, Buck Owens, Jigglebox, John Marshall 3, Ami Steph, Mkron, Proto NL, Real Retro Dude, Back to 8-Bit with Hermsky, Great Owl G, Chris Edwards Restoration, Brother Bill, Retro Rewind.ca, Lamasta, Amiga Live, Beach Bum 7, Pixels at Dawn Gaming, Oil of Hope, Twilight Zoner, Mike A3000, Petzl Canine Zap, Blow Jellyfish, Steve Burtz, S Penny 108, Mitsuyama, Uber Scuba Diver, Irvin Bragg, Eeyore 4077 and Mashpie. Yeah, thank you very much, y'all. All right, Aaron, the time has come to talk about next week's Amiga Spectacular, but guess what? There will be no show next week due to Amigathon, so this is going to be in two weeks' time, Aaron. What do we got? Let's fire it up, Boat. The big winner is going to be. Uh. Wackus the so Detective. Wackus, Wackus the, the detective. detective. Yeah, you were right on it too. No. 
I have no idea what so, this is. I, I think it's a pretty rare late release title, Bo. That's about all I know. Well, we're no stranger to those. If no. it came out in 97 for the Amiga, gosh darn it, we're going to cover it. So, guys, we hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, if you are watching live, stick around because immediately after the show, we're going to do some Ask the Amigos. But if not, we will see you on Saturday, July 30th at 9 a.m. Eastern for Amigathon. We'll see you next time, everybody. Adios. Adios.